0: This week on Writers Inc.
1: That's the human voice. You can tell so much about someone by listening to their voice. So podcasting as a way to build a brand is very, very powerful.
0: Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, schools in session. This is Writers In. All right, JD, we're back for another
2: episode. How's it going, man? Hey, man, how are you doing? Doing great. <laughs> I'm still in construction hell over here. Um, <laughs> we've got flooring starting to go in. I, I see a, a truck right now pulling, actually backing up um, into our driveway from a furniture store. So I think our new bedroom set is here, which is kind of exciting. Um, we, we're on a cul-de-sac, um, and it's it's real small. And if, like they've tried to take 18-wheelers down here, and they get stuck. Like they pull in, and they they've got no way to get out. Oh. Um, so they have to like actually tow them out. This it looks like it's a smaller one, which is good. I think it looks like about a 30-footer, so he can probably get out of here. No
3: more air mattresses for you guys
2: no we've been on in our we've got our, our same bed I mean it's a nice bedroom set but it's moved you know from like house to house to house so it's you know like just kind of held together like by the you know the skin of some of the, the bolts and we just we wanted to get something new with this being kind of our, our final forever house um, but we're set up right now in the room that's gonna eventually become our home theater um, so it's a big wide open space and definitely not a bedroom I mean it's it's like almost a thousand square feet nice. um, so it, it'll be nice to get into an actual bedroom that's you know meant to actually be that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just, uh, you know, when you when you've got a renovation going on, you kind of bounce all over the place. So I was just a uh- we've got a kitchen that's finally coming together. Like we haven't had a, a working kitchen since the week before Thanksgiving. Um, so we're eating on paper plates and we've got a microwave and you know, like that's all fun. It's like camping for like the first, you know, couple of days or so, but you know, like plastic forks just suck. Yeah. You know, like, I just, I, I'm looking at my dishwasher. It's out in the garage. I'm like, I just really want a dishwasher back in the house. You yep. um, know, yeah, we're washing dishes in one of the bathrooms, you know, <laughs> we are so done with, with all of that. Um at the same time, it's it's kind of fun to actually be on site while the renovation's going on to be able to to supervise everything and see it all happening and watch the house come together. so it's it's a trade-off, but we we're, we're definitely ready for a kitchen. We're ready for a, a master bedroom. you know, like a kind of some anything that resembles a normal normal household would be nice. Yeah,
3: it gets old after a while.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: nice. Cool, man. Well, we got a uh, we got a great episode this week. Um, joanna Penn is uh, is coming on the show.
2: Yeah, I love Joanna. She's one. Of, you know, when I first um, started writing or, or considering going out on my own, there, there were a couple podcasts that I, I, you know, had heard about through other people. Joanna was one of them. Um, Dead Robot Society was another. Um, Earl Lafferty with um, I Should Be Writing is a, another fantastic one. Um, yeah, and these guys have all been around. You know, from almost from the get go, from the, the indie publishing movement when that started. And um, the the wealth of information there is incredible. Joanna is a she, it, it's kind of a cool podcast because it's it's almost like sitting in her in her living room or something with her. Like she just kind of talks, you know. It's like it's not not it doesn't really sound too planned, but it is. Um, but it's just it's relaxing and comforting to to listen to. But she's always got inter, you know, really good guests, and the the, the amount of information is, is unbelievable. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And she hustles. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, she works hard and she's, um, she deserves everything that she's earned over, because she's been in the space a long time. And, uh, and she started with nothing, no audience. And, and here, you know, 10 years later, she's doing really well for herself. And uh, it's been a, r- a real mentor to me. And uh, I feel very fortunate to learn from her because she's definitely been one of the people that a lot of us in this space have been following for a long time.
2: Yeah, I've been listening, you know, at, at least, you know, maybe four or five years straight now. And, you know, it's kind of cool to have, to have her on my podcast for once or yeah. our podcast, you know, instead yeah. of instead of the other way around.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, why don't we get into the interview and then we'll come back on the other side and talk about some of the cool takeaways and uh, nuggets of wisdom we learned from Joanna.
2: Okay. Joanna Penn.
1: It's a, pr- a prodigious beard you are now sporting. <laughs> uh,
3: I've never heard that term before. I love it. <laughs> a prodigious beard. I like it.
1: <laughs> my my uh, my husband is growing his at the moment. And um, my brother, who also likes the facial hair, sent uh, the hashtag strong beard energy. Ooh, that's even better yet. <laughs> yeah. So th- th- there's a whole beard culture that I'm learning about. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm so excited to talk to you today. This is going to be fun.
1: Yeah, I know. I was like, um, what are we talking about again? Is it, it's like business stuff rather than craft stuff, right? Yeah,
3: I think it might be a little different conversation than you're, than you're used to having, which I think would be a good thing. And uh, I, I was thinking too, like, we've done so many podcast episodes together, it almost counts as its own show. Like, if we took all of I, our episodes we that we've done together... <laughs>
1: You're right. We can make like a little sub podcast yeah. all our episodes. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a good idea. But yeah. you have so many podcasts. I mean, <laughs> I think you might have overtaken me by number of episodes just in general because of how many shows you've had.
3: It's, it's possible. I'm starting to lose track, but that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm really curious to talk to you because. You know, we're really focusing on the business of writing, which is not necessarily something you hear on writing podcasts on a regular basis. And so, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to maybe first look back at, and and see sort of where you came from and and uh, and then where you are now, maybe where you're headed. Uh, so, so maybe if you could start by telling us, you know, what it was like for you uh, ten ten I, well, maybe ten plus years ago when you were working the day job, realizing it wasn't something you were going to be able to do for the rest of your life. And and sort of, uh, you know, what were you thinking at that time? What what was sort of happening in your life?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I guess like, um, like many people, I ended up in a job and, you know, you hit your thirties and you're like, uh, how did I, you know, I paid off my debts, my student debts and, and I'm here and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? So I hit kind of 30 and, and I was thinking, I I need to get out of this. At the time I was implementing accounts payable into large corporates, which, you know, not very creative, but it paid the bills, you know, paid good bills, you know, it was good money, Uh, business consulting, IT consulting, that type of thing. But I I tried different businesses. So I started a scuba diving company, like as a side hustle, I started doing property investment. I did a travel sort of travel itineraries um, before it became easy to build a website sort of early 2000s. But none of that stuck um, you know I just I didn't like it or it, you know the scuba diving company was so expensive had huge overheads, and so I was like what you know what do I want to do with my life and so this was 2006 really around the time Tim Ferriss Four Hour work week came out when blogging was kind of just starting to become more commercial rather than just for fun and so I started to realize that there might be something else possible so I started to write a book about career change and because I wanted to figure out what to do with my life so I thought well you know I like learning I'm a very good learner I'll write uh, I'll write this book and then I'll pitch it to publishers or whatever and figure out what I want to do and what came out of that book well, that book still available as career change I rewrote it a few years later but I discovered um, the, the publishing industry and um, a year later I started writing novels uh, but yeah all of that was happening while I still had my day job so I would like get up at 5am I'd write good work come home do some more, you know, I started podcasting, started YouTube, all of that. So really the mindset was, I don't know what to do with my life let me try and learn from people. I've always been a big reader. So I read all these books and I was like, well, I might as well write a book. And then I got the bug. So yeah, I guess I I didn't go into it with the sense that this would turn into a lot of writing, uh, but that's kind of the way it's ended up.
3: (laughs) There there are a few things there I'd like to explore a little bit. First of all, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to tell us the original title of your first book. (laughs)
1: it's so long it's like how to enjoy your job or find a new one (laughs) and what was so funny is right literally I was in that I wanted to know how to enjoy my job and then I realized that actually maybe you couldn't enjoy your job and you needed to find a new one. It was only when I discovered the idea of keywords uh, in around 2011, I guess, I discovered keywords Um, and so I then discovered career change was a much better keyword phrase for people looking for this type of book. And there's a tip for anyone wanting to write nonfiction. (laughs)
3: I love that title. I heard you mention that before. It's one of my favorites.
1: It's terrible. (laughs) Who wants to enjoy their job? Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, you mentioned I I know you, um you've told me about the the scuba diving and I know you had said that like the insurance premiums and and the investment for equipment and gear was just made it very difficult to turn a profit. But I know that uh the property investing is something that uh, different people do in different stages of their life. It seems to be fairly stable. It seems to be a good source of recurring revenue. Can you tell us a little bit about why that that sort of business opportunity didn't really work out for you?
1: Yeah, well, I think this comes down to the heart of what do you enjoy doing with your time? So, when, you know, I did, so we bought and did up and sold and rented and sold uh, two properties, one in New Zealand, one in Australia. And uh, I didn't really enjoy the process of things like finding sourcing the cheapest, most effective paint or <laughs> going around carpet where, you know, showrooms. Or um, I didn't enjoy, like, to, to do well at property investing, you have to love scouring, you know, the place for or deals you have to enjoy or and if you're going to do them up you have to enjoy the process of doing them up or if you're going to hire people you have to have it all costed out i also even though you can get tenants i didn't really enjoy the you know people to manage the tenants i didn't enjoy the the sort of risk aspect that I felt was a risk um, there. And uh, there are lots of good things about property. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you think about what you want to do with your life and how you want to spend any form of your brain power, what are the things that you like look at when you have the choice so for example when I, I used to work in accounts payable i did not read accounts payable magazines or soft or go on software forums uh, you know at the weekend or uh, and with property the same i didn't want to read property magazines i didn't want to go i did go to these seminars and i didn't enjoy them so for me what's been so interesting when i discovered intellectual property assets. And and this is a big mindset shift for many people coming into writing. And a lot of authors, probably 90% of authors never make this shift. But when you think about a physical property, you know, you can rent it out, you can sell it, you can slice it up and sell the different rooms. And that's basically what you can do with an intellectual property asset. And the wonderful thing about copyright is you can make money with it if you manage your You know, a state properly for 70 years after the death of the author, which is why publishing companies have big offices and stuff. So What's so wonderful about a book is the overheads are very small. I can do it myself and, you know, very independent. I like doing it myself. I put it out in the world. I don't have to deal with customer service or tenants or any of that. I really don't have to do much upkeep. You know, we do have to update back matter and now and then. um, But realistically, the amount of reward for the outlay for me, is much more effective than um, property investment. Um, And it's also part of a process. So this would be the other thing, the people I know who've been very successful with property have a process. So, you know, they know the exact paint color they just buy in bulk and paint all the walls and the same carpet and it's the same with us right with publishing we have a process i have my designer i have my formatting i ha- i know how to write a book and you have to get your process in order in order to make it effective as a business so it's about what you love and what you want to spend time on and i'm like you we're obsessed with books so we just want to buy books and read books and talk about books
3: <laughs> yeah so it's so much more than how much money you can make or uh, you know oh how, yeah how yeah that's uh it's, it's more. I think that's something that a lot of people overlook is, what do I have to do on a day-to-day basis to keep this business afloat? And if that's something you hate, then it's not going to be sustainable in the long run.
1: Oh, yeah. And at the end of the day, like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was in a job that paid me well. You know, if I just wanted to keep a kind of mid-six-figure salary, I could have stayed doing the day job, <laughs> you know, but... It's about what you want to do with your time and what and what you're passionate about look people can tell in my voice in your voice that we love what we do and we would I if if you'd have heard me talk about property it would not have been this way I'd be like <laughs> oh yeah so I made like you know thousand dollars or whatever but you know I never I never felt happy in that sense so I, uh, we sold those properties. We don't own any um, investment properties anymore. Uh, I invest in other ways. I absolutely invest, but I don't invest in in properties particularly.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so the Creative Pen was uh, the Creative Pen podcast was if it wasn't the first self-publishing podcast, it had to have been one of the first. And I, I don't know. I don't know if there are other podcasts in the in the time frame that were out before yours but you were clearly way out front as far as podcasting and talking about this this business of being a uh, a creator. But if I'm if I'm not if I have my timeline correct, you weren't necessarily a full-time writer when you started that podcast. Were you?
1: No, not at all. I started the Creative Pen website December 2008, um, the podcast uh, March 20, 2009. And uh, really, I start. I was very lonely at the time. Um, I didn't have any friends who were authors, you know, all my friends were in the IT industry. And I was in Australia, and I really wanted to meet some Americans because you guys were out ahead of the pack. And I was like, oh, they're seeing podcasting it means i can just call people and talk to people and they'll be happy to because it's called a podcast not just a chat <laughs> so i started the podcast mainly to talk to these creators that i was hearing about in america and uh you know i'm i guess reasonably technical i'm not a programmer but i thought oh, i can do this this is not hard um uh, and I, but back in those days i used to hold a recorder up to an actual phone
0: <laughs> yes
3: I've done that. <laughs> so
1: it, it really wasn't very very swish, but I really I'm just I just got going. Um, as you say, it was very early days. I had it was like howling into the wind for about eighteen months without any traffic, without. And this was again back in the day when self publishing was, you know, vanity press. It was very negative. Um, and I do, you know, maybe and I didn't start the creative pen podcast and it still isn't a self publishing podcast. Um, it's about creativity, about writing about there are episodes on publishing, but also marketing, making a living. And I deliberately, um, and this is another tip for people. The creative pen was my third website, my third attempt at creating something. And the others were branded around the books. Um, the book, I only had one book when I started and also, um, something else that just didn't work out at all. But the creative pen, I thought, well, this is a brand I can use for all kinds of things for a long time. So I can grow into this brand and it can be whatever I want. So even if I never talked about publishing again on the creative pen, which might happen one day, <laughs> then that won't matter because it still fits that that brand, yes. um, I guess.
3: Yes. And so when, what, when was the moment where you realized, okay, I think I can... I think I can make a go with being an independent business person. Um, I I feel confident enough that I have either the skill set or whatever it's going to take. What what was that moment like? And was it a crystallized moment or was it sort of an evolution of things over time?
1: Uh, Well, I had been a contractor since the year 2000 really so I I was not an employee anyway I was an IT contractor so the idea of having my own business I already had my own business and I'd started a property business I started a scuba diving business so I'd done websites you know the legal stuff the accountant I had accountants so I knew how to run a business Um, I also worked as I said in accounts payable I understand account I'm not an accountant but I know I know finance so that was never it was never a question that i wasn't starting a business the question was when does it go from side hustle to full time um and re- really the, the catalyst was well first of all i got laid off um so in 2008 the beginning of 2008 global financial crisis if you all remember yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, um i got laid off along with 400 other people in my department just all of us on one day and and i realized that was the catalyst that led me to realize i am never letting one company own all my income again i'm never being dependent on one company which is why i'm quite passionate about being more than just amazon uh with publishing but that's why i started the site i mean i got another job very quickly not a problem but i started The creative pen with the idea that I was going to build up something on the side that would eventually switch my income. So, over the years, it was kind of my income. I went to four days a week um, with the consulting job. I started ramping up the website. I was working, you know, really hard in the morning, in the evening, every weekend. That other day, I cut out pretty much everything else in my life because that gave me a real shock when I got laid off. I was like, seriously, this is not happening again. So, by the time it got to 2011, I was probably making around a thousand US dollars a month from the side hustle. So I proved a concept. This was not just from book sales. This was also course sales. So I did self-publishing course, uh, you know, very early in the in the game. Um, and I was doing some speaking, some professional speaking, some consulting. So very much, you know, uh, our money for hours. Um, but I, I could see that the things were changing. Also, uh, I was really, really miserable. I was like crying at my job at this time, it got so bad. And, you know, I said to my husband, and I, I said, you know, if, if I leave, I could spend this other time on the business. And I think I could grow it faster. And uh, I basically, I saved um, about a year's worth of money and although my husband had a job at the time I was the primary wage earner uh, so I was like look if if this doesn't work out I'll go back to my job so the the decision to stop the job was very much just that I was so miserable and I had already spent four years building it up to a point that I was like I could double down on this so this is another another big tip I think for people don't quit your job and then start building a business. (laughs) If possible, build as much as you can on the side or use things like services, um, money for time as a way to cushion. Because as we both know, um, intellectual property asset income is not, massive and it's not stable and you need multiple streams of income so over the years um so i left my job in 2011 and it took till 2015 for my income to surpass what i had earned before and then my husband left his job uh, as well and now we're you know Triple, quadruple what I used to earn. So it's it. That's a you know in 2019. So we're 13 years after, uh, and actually it's really interesting because while, by the time I left IT consulting, I had been doing that 13 years. So very much, if you can do something for a decade, you're going to be paid your value. But don't expect to be paid your value. Well, you're you're not worth much after a year in any job, right? And like, so, so don't expect to leave one job, start in year one, and and be earning a decent money. But ten years on, the time passes quickly. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. So I, this is sort of a a two part question, which is related to what you were just talking about. the The world has changed pretty dramatically in the past ten years, but your business has also changed dramatically in the past ten years. So. How is your approach to running your business, how is it different now than it was then? And whether that is because the world is different or because you're in a different place in your your life.
1: Uh, Well, so I always had the idea that I wanted scalable income. And uh, my, I guess my mentor, Yarrow Starak, um, who is at yarrow.blog, if people are interested, I learned blogging from him. I modeled myself on him as, you know, he's an introvert. He likes traveling. uh, And I was like, yeah, I want a business model like his. And he taught me about scalable very early on, which is you don't wanna do money for time. Money for time is the least, like you can, yeah, sure, you could earn lots of money for an hour of consulting, but you'll never get that hour back. Um, And professional speaking, same thing, anything, like day job is money for time. And so scalable is you create something once and you sell it over and over and over again. And that is true whether it's a book or whether it's website um, traffic, podcast all of this type of thing can be scalable so I knew I focused on that early on and one of the big things I did was I trusted the process which is very hard (laughs) so yeah from day one I used affiliate links on the creativepen.com and affiliate links are I get a commission a a percentage commission which varies uh, when people click a link through to a book, so it might be Amazon, it might be someone's course, it might be um, you know a site like Weedy for editors. Uh, everyone I recommend, I use, um, and I'm very ethical about my affiliate income. But because this is what's so fast, so what's changed is that self-publishing went from being nothing anybody wanted to very, very zeitgeisty um, in around 2015. So the traffic on my website has continued to grow pretty massively um and so that that has meant my income from years and years of putting these little links on my website um has has grown so this this was a decision I made early and it it started paying off in around 2015 also um I guess so that's one thing that's changed is the traffic. The other thing I guess it's changed is podcasting took off also around 2015. 2015 was a kind of tipping point and that year my income doubled. Um, 2015, the podcast, I started um, making money from the podcast. So this is a big point. I started podcasting 2009 and the money went out <laughs> until 2015 when the money started coming back in. and now. Uh, the podcast. I have Patreon. I have um, corporate sponsors, and also I promote webinars and my own products and books and things. So the podcast again was an asset that I built over years and years and years, and started paying off later based on traffic. Um, so yeah, that would be another thing. What else has changed? I guess because I have never, I have never really seen my book income change dramatically up or down. Because I've always been uh, wide, if people don't know that means not just on Amazon, Um, I've published globally and in every format I can for years, the income kind of goes up and down with a new book coming out and then a lull because I don't write that fast. Um, So that's never spiked up and it's never dropped off. Um, Like some people who have gone with Amazon only have seen really, really huge months and then nothing. Mine is actually reasonably steady. Uh, So that hasn't changed. I mean, those are some things that have changed. Um, You know, I guess the industry has changed, but I've, like we said at the beginning, what I love to do is create. And so like every day I'm just writing or podcasting or like I was editing another audio book earlier. And that's pretty much what I focused on for years. It's just creating more stuff and then hoping it pays off. (laughs) And it has. (laughs)
3: Well, you stuck with it. You're persistent, you're gritty, and you've, you've, you've played the long game and it's paying off for you, which is a great lesson for anyone who's coming new to this or wondering if there's uh, if there's a future in it. So I think it's really inspiring too.
1: Yeah. And I mean, um, I've said this to you about sticking with one single podcast <laughs> for years and years. Um, this this can be, you know, if people discover your brand. In fact, my fr- a very good friend, Orna Ross, who runs the Alliance of Independent Authors, she always says to me, the moment I get bored of something is the moment it might just start taking off, <laughs> Because I almost gave up my podcast in 2015, because I was like, I've been doing this six years and no one has ever heard of me. And I've just been doing all of this work and it's just nothing. Uh, And then, you know, things happen. It takes, you know, I think we are ahead of many creative industries uh, obviously not music I think you know music's been the the forerunner but certainly writers are probably coming up behind um filmmakers you know we're probably ahead of the potters and uh, <laughs> my, my dad's a printmaker and you know there's lots of things where we're we're still doing stuff and the industry is changing, publishing is changing, and we are doing things that are only now becoming mainstream. So audiobooks, for example, you know, I've been doing audiobooks, well, since the beginning, I was selling audiobooks from my website in 2009, selling ebooks before there was a Kindle. uh, And then, you know, and, and now they're, mainstream so building these ip assets and realizing that things are only just take off if you think about how voice assistants are going and translation and all of these things like we're just on day one of audio yeah it's crazy
3: yeah it is it is we're gonna come well i don't I we'll come back to that to close out but i, I wanted to ask you a follow-up question because Uh, You're a mentor of mine, and I pay close attention to what you do. Whenever you give me advice, I take it. And one of the things I've noticed is that uh, for non-scalable income, you've never really gotten into the membership site uh, uh, piece of it. Uh, What are your thoughts on that just in general?
1: Uh, You are a lovely person, (laughs) (laughs) and I am not so much. I mean, like, literally, that's what it is. I'm... I'm, I know what I'm good at and I can help people this way like I I can I'm hope I'm said something that's helping somebody listening and my books can help you and my podcast can help you and my audiobooks can help you but in person I'm just an introvert who likes being on my own. I also, when it comes down to what do you value most in the world, I value my freedom the most. And I flirted with kind of membership sites way back in the day. And what I found is I cannot be at my best when other people have the can beck and call on me, you know? And I also, I don't necessarily, yeah, I, I just don't like being on call at a, at a regular slot for people. And I don't feel like that is the best way that I can serve them. So, um, I'm not, I'm not a coach. I'm a consultant, which means, you know, I might say to you, Jay, you should be doing this. And then I'll just leave you to get on with it. (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like hold your hand and pat you on the back. Um, so again, this comes back to what you have to be honest about what type of life do you want? And again, yeah, sure. I, you know, people, I, I don't do consulting anymore. I rarely do speaking. um, I just, I want to spend my time creating, creating my stuff and hopefully helping other people create their stuff through what I create, but I don't want to be hand holding people along the way. So, um, I want to empower them, but, uh, yeah, so I hope that make, I hope that doesn't make me sound terrible, but no, I no, about the life you want to live. No, you know?
3: I think your, your level of self-awareness is, in, is, perfectly legitimate and i and i think it's uh it's an asset like you know what you're good at you know what you want and you're laser focused on that and i think not having that drift is really giving you the ability to to stay in it for the long run so i don't think there's anything wrong with that at all
1: yeah well like you say the long run I mean we're, you know we're both introverts, but uh, people burn me out you know even i we've, we've been friends for years, but still this conversation will still you know it will it will drop my energy um and when i've I've made a list of the thing because i've you've know, been doing this over a decade now i've made a list of more things i'm going to cut out um you know to make more time for writing because you know I have so many books I want to write, so I mean you you know how this goes it's like seriously, if I only had more time. To- to write, um you know more time to create like um well mentioning audio again i've got a decade of backlist podcasts that i would love to start chopping and you know editing into audio uh, you know mix mix up type things um for podcasts like where do i find the time to do that so i think you and But of course, winding back, if somebody listening um, is just starting out, at the beginning, I did a lot of consulting. I used to charge 99 US an hour, um, you know, for to get on the phone and help people because you can just get money like that. You know, I used to do a lot more public speaking because I knew I could get paid for that. Um, So I did all of that at the beginning. But then over time. You know, you put your rates up, you put your rates up. And then at one point you realize my time is worth more than that to me um, because I can create something that will earn me money and help more people. Because that's the other thing. Scalable also means how many people can you help? And with a book or a podcast like my podcast has been downloaded in over 218 countries which I couldn't even name them all. That pretty much is every country on earth, right? And my books have sold in 86 countries and that's just in English. So we can reach more people with our scalable products than we can uh, one-to-one.
3: Awesome. Awesome. So, I, I wanted to sort of ask you now, like, where, where are you headed? Where are things going? Although I kind of know the answer to that. So, I, I want to tweak that question a little bit because I know you're going to say audio. You're making a big push into audio for, uh, in, in many different ways. And uh, so, so, what is your approach to, to audio as the future as it pertains to your business of writing?
1: oh well oh, there's, so ma- there's so many so many and so many answers and i am actually writing a book at the moment on podcasting audio and voice technology and i think but let's come back to why uh people listening to us if this is the first time they've ever heard our voices they will be judging us based on this and if they're still listening then they feel some affinity to either one of us <laughs> um and that's voice, that's, that's the human voice. You can tell so much about someone by listening to their voice. So podcasting as a way to build a brand is very, very powerful. Audiobooks, and then people want to hear audiobooks Read in your voice because they know your voice. And of course, if they're your words, it's even better. Um, I'm just that the one I've been editing today is productivity for authors. And, you know, I'm it's me talking my author voice and my narrator voice. So that's like a, you know, double barreled brand. Um, So that's, that's one, you know, one thing. And uh, people who love a podcast, you know, people who love our podcast come back week after week, and you get a relationship that is not a tiring one. (laughs) So, So it's really powerful that way. And then, you know, I like creating audio. So that's something and of course, I didn't know that at the beginning, but I know that now. So if people are worried about it, just give it a go, and you might love it. I don't like Doing video, so I'm kind of doubling down on on audio. Uh, also, I think, I mean, the time that we're recording paid advertising on not just Amazon on all of the websites is a big thing in in the industry. But um, because books are so low margin, um, advertising can be very expensive. Now, I've never never really advertised the website. Like, you know, the creative pen has entirely organic SEO search engine optimization over over a decade. And I feel like that's the way we have to go with our books if we're going to go long term book sales. So I started my second podcast, Books and Travel, um, which. I'm doing memoir. I'm talking about my own travels and how that weaves into my books. I'm interviewing other people about their travels. I interviewed you about uh, traveling by train across the USA. Um, So my aim with that Audio is to build another brand um, that will lead into other writing, but also will enable me to um, yeah grow another audience that's separate to the audience of authors. So I think audio is so important in a lot of different ways. Also, voice search, you know, um, they're saying over fifty percent of search will be voice from twenty twenty, which is very soon, <laughs> maybe now, whenever this goes out. Um, but the, you know, this if you're not in voice you're not going to be found because if I'm talking to my device, it talks back to me. So if you're not if you're not serving um voice or audio content you won't be found when people search with voice you know if they're in the car asking for something they want to be returned something in audio uh so this is a big shift and uh, it's not just in english it's it's everywhere so all of for all of those reasons audio is is huge plus it's, it's good money <laughs> <laughs> So there you have
3: it. The interview with Joanna Penn, uh, quite a, uh, interesting woman. Uh, what were some of your, your takeaways or, or your observations about what she said?
2: Okay. So scuba diving, <laughs> that, that, that was not something that I would have, I would have, you know, even remotely considered for, for Joanna. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess you know you hit a certain point in your life if you're in a job that you're, where you're not happy, and you just you kind of branch out and try new things. And, and so many people don't do that, you know. Like I, I for twenty three years, I was in a job that I hated, but it paid good, so I just kind of stuck with it. And it's you know kudos to anybody that's willing to just say, okay, I'm I'm going to give this a shot, um, whether it's scuba diving or you know running a furniture store or whatever it might be. Um, the, the investing that that really caught my ear because that's something that my wife and I did when when I first started getting royalty checks that were you know significant numbers, uh, I was worried that it was going to stop. Yeah. You know, like somebody sends you a you know a big six or seven figure check, you're like, this is probably the only one I will ever see. To um, so my wife, you know, she's way smarter than me. She, you know, she loves real estate. Um, she convinced me to to get involved in that. We bought some rental properties. We started flipping houses. Um, we we ended up flipping about fifty to sixty different houses in the wow. Pittsburgh area over over a short amount of time. Because once you get going and you get contractors, you know, you move from one house to the next house to the next house. And at, at one point, we had like five or six that we owned and everything, you know, happening all at once. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good revenue stream. And when I talk to authors, I, I, I often bring that kind of thing up, um, you know, because it's w- basically what she was getting at is create passive revenue. Joanna right. um, Joanna's is really good at having a bunch of different buckets. You know, she's, her revenue is coming from all these different things. So if one, you know, if there's a problem with one, it really doesn't impact things a whole lot, but I know so many authors, especially some of the older school, the New York times bestseller guys that have been around for a while where, you know, that's their only bucket. You know, and, you know, you got the Kindle came out. That was a bit of an upstart. You know, like that changed things. Nobody knows what's really happening with publishing right now or where it's going to go. Um, and, and I imagine it's pretty scary if you're living strictly on advance checks. So, you know, my wife and I, we still we take every possible dime that we can and we put it into the real estate, um, you know, stock market, things like that, too. But, you know, things that will bring in money on their own. And I think every author should really look at that. Um, when I worked for the the record label years back, I used to see that kind of thing happen quite a bit with recording artists because oh, right. you know they they would get a contract and you know sometimes they would get a nice advance check or you know they they might have that that song that hits. Um, like I, I knew Vanilla Ice, I knew when he was <laughs> with Robert Van Winkle working at Publix. Um, You know he has this one big song that comes out of nowhere and it makes a gazillion dollars. Um, you know, but I've seen a lot of guys kind of go through that and they think that it's going to continue. You know, that they think the next song is going to hit, the next song is going to hit, so they buy this big old house and they. Rent, you know, they lease a car and they get a boat and they do all these things. And there's like zero financial planning beyond, you know, like my, their next credit card bill. Um, and, and authors really need to do that, especially if you do want to make a living from this kind of thing. I mean, it, it's prudent advice, I think, in any any industry. But as authors, you know, being self-employed, um, you know, you really have to pay close attention to that.
3: Yeah, you do. And and Joanna recently had on one of the guys from the Choose FI podcast, and uh, FI is the Financial Independent Movement. And a lo- a big part of financial independence is having uh, passive income um, and and because, as Joanna said in the interview that you know she doesn 't want to trade time for money that her time is worth more than money, and so you need to think about these different ways of of income that don 't require you punching a clock or or trading minutes for dollars, which is um, there 's a ceiling on that there 's only so far you can go with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, rental properties are a great example of that, and you've got these checks that just they just come in, you know, every every month, and that that's nice. Um, she had mentioned the speaking engagements that can be really lucrative. Um, I've got a speakers bureau that that books me for those types of things, and it, you know, for the most part, it's it's worth you know my time to to run out and do those. Um, but you know, like like she said, yeah, it, it is a trade for your time, it, it, and it's not something you know, it's it's a one-off. You know, you get one event, one check, and then it's done, and that time never comes back. If you take that same amount of time and put it in into into a book, you know, that book's gonna you know sell forever. Um so that's worthwhile. The other thing she threw out there that that we haven't really talked about yet and a lot of authors don't think about is is the voice technology and how that's changing. Um, yeah, like I, one of the things that I, I've, I've got a, an Amazon, uh, I don't want to say her name because it's sitting on my desk. <laughs> um, but you know, how many authors actually set up their own name? Like if I ask mine, who is J D Barker? It, it knows, and that's not something that just happens by default. That's something that took you know some working with with Amazon to, to get together. But like once you capture it, it's yours. It's almost like owning a domain name. So it's a bit like Wild West, you know, there's only one person can get each name and a lot of authors haven't taken the time to do that. And, you know, who knows if, you know, where it's going to be a couple of years from now, But I think anytime new technology comes out like that, authors should jump on it and try and get in front of it. It's it's the same thing as like when Twitter came out. You know, you just go out there, get your your name right away. You know, even if you're not going to use it. You know, like I already own one for TikTok. I own one for Snapchat. I own one for. um, There's like three or four other you know services that I've never heard of and I've only logged in one time. But you know, just long enough to get my username just in case, because you never know what's going to pan out.
3: Yeah, so true. And I personally, I'm pretty excited because Joanna doesn't do much speaking anymore, and we convinced her to come to Nashville in May for the Career Author Summit. And her talk is going to be on audio and audio technologies for authors. So it's uh it's no surprise that, that she's really passionate about that. And and I I think one of the you know the the uh, most experienced uh, people in in our circles when it comes to audio and publishing.
2: Yeah. And and just a forward thinker in general. Yeah. She, she, she has a pretty good handle on where we're going or, you know, she at least watches that close enough where she can be part of it.
3: Yes. Yes. Awesome. So yeah, it was great having Joanna on the show. Uh, We love her. Uh, Great advice there. And uh, this is normally where we talk about who's coming on next week. And I think I want you to do that because this was all you're doing And and I'm still kind (laughs) of pinching myself about that this even happened.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised he said yes, too. But um, yeah, James Patterson, um, num- number one selling author in, in the world, um, just to throw some quick stats out there. And you, you are probably more up to date than I am, because these change really quickly. But uh, basically, one out of every 17 books sold in the world at any given moment is his. Um, just to try and put things in perspective and, and I've literally lost track of how many dozens of New York times bestsellers he's had. He, I think he's well over a hundred at this point. He is, um, yeah. Number ones, I think he's even at like 50 or 60. Number one, he's right? got the it's,
3: Guinness world record for number yeah. one, New York times bestsellers. And I think it's like 57 or 67. <laughs>
2: But the thing is, and you know, one of the reasons why I wanted him to come on here when I talked to him about it is, you know, he didn't obviously start off as this best-selling author. He, you know, he was in a day job. He was working in a marketing uh, career, um, and he decided to, to to stop that and try and pursue becoming a writer. Um, he wrote his first book. He got a ton of rejections. It, you know, barely, barely got it got it published. Um, His second book, um, which a lot of people do know, Along Came a Spider, wasn't a a huge success right out of the gate. Um, He he actually created a a television commercial when nobody was doing that and and got it out on the air and drew attention to it and that's what really pushed it over the edge and, and sparked his career. Um, so he's just such a you know again a forward thinker and but, but he's a really cool down-to-earth guy to, to talk to uh, and he gives back so much a lot of people don't realize everything that he that he does but he's helping libraries he's helping schools um, he's very much on board with with getting kids to read um, and, and you know he, he's followed the technology closely like he knows why you know people have stopped buying print books to a certain extent and why you know the literacy rate in the, in the US has dropped like he, he knows why those things are happening and he's working with people to try and combat and turn it back around and I don't think people give him credit for that or you know it's, it's not something he, he doesn't brag about it and, and I think he should I think he should get out, get out there and crow a little bit so other people kind of jump on the bandwagon and help out Um, because more people need to be doing this kind of thing. And it's frankly just wonderful to see somebody at his level taking the time to do it.
3: Yeah. So true. And through the magic of podcasting, uh, the the interview's already been recorded, which is why we're talking about it just in case. Mm. Uh, And I was struck by that too. I mean, I I knew his story. I know his history. Uh, I don't know him personally, but uh, even in the conversation, it just felt like I was sitting down with a friend at a coffee shop and He didn't have a handler come on the phone. You know, I'm on Zoom and I hear, hi, this is James Patterson. And I'm just like, there he is, you know, just unassuming. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, what should I call you? And he's like, Jim, you know, like, of course. (laughs) Right. So um, it was great. It, It was really good. And I, I'm excited to share that with our audience because I don't think it's something he does very often.
2: Yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts like this, you know, where they, you know, interview authors and it, to me, it's refreshing to hear somebody of that caliber, you know, talk about their background and realize that it's really not that different from the rest of us. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they everybody kind of starts in the same place and it, it's really, it's what you make of it. Um, he, if, if he sees something that's not working, he gets out there and he fixes it himself. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have 20 or 30 people working for him at any given moment. He, he's got his hands in the dirt and he, he solves those problems on his own. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's got a lot of people back behind those books, but you know, he's, he's definitely the, the driving factor in, in all of it. Um, his wife as well on the, on the charity side.
3: Yeah. He said that the Patterson Family Foundation is, is them. It's just the two of them pretty much like, you know, they yeah, have some exactly. administrative help, but like it's them. Um, so to have that sort of hands-on approach too is, is uh, it, it's, it, I can really appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear the interview.
3: Yeah. It's going to be fun. That'll be coming next week. So make sure you're subscribed so you get that as soon as it hits the podcast feed. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that's it for this week. And uh, we'll be back next week with James Patterson. So have a good one, man. I'll talk to you later.
2: All right. You too. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.